Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Get low as can be APR, zero deposit required, and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda or Cavan. You're very welcome to Tuesday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Louise, you know I claim a lot of things. Can I claim I brought the sun back from Italy? Uh, I wouldn't go that far, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Sorry. Oh, thanks. That's you can bring right. back those sun cream and stuff, but I, just, I don't think the actual sun. <laughs> got up this morning and I thought, wow, this reminds me of something from last week. Isn't it great to see it? I hope the weather really does settle soon. With all the schools, the primaries will be out, won't they, in the next couple of weeks next as week. well? Yeah, is next week. Next Wednesday. So you know, come on, whoever you are, whoever controls this wonderful system on this planet, please let us have in Ireland a little bit of sunshine for the next while. Please, July and August for all the children who'll be off school. I know the exams are still going on for some, but many are free now at this stage. But let's hope the weather does improve and that this week is maybe uh, an indication of things to come. And we will be talking, you know this, Louise, a little bit later on with Father Sean McDonough. He's an environmental champion. You know him well. He's a great friend of ours on Late Launch and the new government's climate change report. Yes, Michael had the politicians this morning. We're going to hear from Father Sean to see what his thoughts are uh, on the new report that's issued. Lisa O'Neill, She's a jockey. She's with me in the studio. Looking forward to meeting her. And my old pal, yes, Father Eamon Sheridan. We have two priests. This is the all-priest show on late lunch today. Yes, he's home. He's home on holidays and he's popping in for a catch-up. Will you hear some of the stories from school coming up, Louise? <laughs> I'm dying to hear that. Will he, be, will he just uh, <laughs> well, let I, out some secrets well, about well, you, well, Jerry? Maybe he will. Maybe he will. We'll see. He's with us after two o'clock and I'm looking forward to seeing Eamon again. It's been a while since we've uh, talked. If you want to get in touch with us on the show, remember the number. It's the big number every day on LMFM right across all shows 086 1800 658 WhatsApp us it's for free if you want to text us there as well of course 1850 715 958 if you'd like to call in or our social media we're all over social media crawling all over at LMFM Instagram WhatsApp Facebook you name it we're there Twitter you can get in touch with us by many means indeed now let's begin today's show uh, with Tracy Carroll I'll tell you about Tracy she's a, a maid woman who in her own words just survives on four hours sleep each each night because you see she's a carer for a beautiful daughter Willow and she's on the line with me today. Afternoon Tracy. Afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Nice to talk to you. Will you tell us Willow's story? What age is she and uh, what condition does she live with Tracy? Okay so Willow has just turned two and a half and Willow um, is, has cerebral palsy level five um, quadric spastic. Um, she also has epilepsy and she's pegged bread. 
So Willow relies on me for everything. She has, um, she can't sit, she can't walk, she's no speech. So really, her she's no independence at all. So I cater for every one of her needs. Um, Willow suffered a brain injury at birth, so it was unexpected. Um, it wasn't a genetic disability. So she was actually sent home to pass away when she was four days old. But she's a little warrior and she fought on. She's had a lot of health complications. Um, she's done a lot of medications. But she just bounces back from everything. Um, but like that, she, she depends on, on us to cater for her needs. So she's completely reliant on, on support 24-7. So you're never away from her. You're always with her every single day of the year and have been since she was born. Um, you have an, a, a little boy as well. What age is he? Noah has just turned five. Uh, he was five in April. So he was two and a half when Willow was born. So as you can imagine, that was very traumatic for, for Noah as well. He expected to have a sibling that was going to grow up. Um, a sibling he could play with. What we brought home was, you know, it was just traumatic for all mm. of us. But he witnessed Willow being taken away in an ambulance when she was 10 days old. We thought we were going to lose her that night. So he watched his parents go into emotional turmoil. He was so unsure of himself. It really, really affected him um, with anxiety. And we had to spend a lot of time with Noah as well and get him therapy to help him through it. Now, he is fantastic with Willow. He's, he's just a brilliant brother. But he still would say to me, you know, it's not fair. Willow can't walk or talk and she's not going to grow up like my friends, brothers or sisters are going to grow up. So it's very hard for him as well. So just to try and find the time to give to Noah also and not feel that he's always on the back foot. You know, he has said to me in the past, oh, you only care about Willow and, you know, you just feel so guilty. But we're just doing our best. And I mean, he is a happy child. Uh, he is very much loved, but it, it affects us all, you know, and people mm. don't see that. They they see the child with needs. They don't see the child. They see the special needs. You know, firstly, my thing I would always say is Willow is a child before she is anything else. And, you know, she has her own interests like every other child. But, you know, the whole family is affected and they don't see the effects that it has on the other siblings. And, you know, no one's lonely too. Um, it's affected with having your marriage. Thankfully, we've got a good, strong marriage. But, I mean, there are days when you're just... <laughs> worn out and having the energy to speak to each other or, or I'm at home all day and I just can't wait for John to come in the door and you know oh well, have you any news and he is just so tired from work he's just looking at me going oh god please woman stop talking you know so yeah. any day can, can change you know when you have healthy children that are blessed with them we know the the tensions that exist anyway and I can yeah, only exactly. imagine from what you describe your own situation there to be. Now John, your husband as well he's a hard worker and he spends time away and you don't see many adult faces through the day with this constant care. But look, here's the thing, you're, you're really disappointed with you know the support you're getting from the state because you've had to give up work yes that's a, a no brainer yeah, yes well, you don't have a choice I mean I, I had hoped to go back to work I mean obviously we were very naive in the first year of Willow's condition we always hoped that you know it wasn't going to be what we, ex we were told to expect and you know I did think oh I'd go back to work but even if you did go back to work you could be in work a day and you could get a phone call and say listen Willow needs to be admitted to a hospital or you've constantly got appointments I mean I keep a calendar on the wall and every day there's something in it so you don't have that option so obviously I can't return to work um, and now we're in the situation where carer's allowance is assessed now when I say it's assessed it's assessed on how much is your husband earning oh you're married oh your husband has a job you know it's not assessed on the needs of my child or the care that I give Willow, you could not 
hire someone to to do this job because you couldn't pay the hours that need to go in. You know, I might guess it could be nice. My husband bought me a Fitbit for my birthday, probably the worst thing he ever did because I was able to record my sleep. And one night it was one hour, 54 minutes. That was my sleep. You know, so it, it is 24-7. You're on the clock. You can't take anything for granted. And it's, it's, it's a job. I am doing a job. I'm not relying on the state to care for my daughter. I'm not leaving her for someone else to put in that work. Yes, I'm not respected as someone who has a job. I, I've, we've been awarded 73 euro a week. Um, that would pay for the diesel. The services that are offered, as in physio and OT, they're very limited. They don't actually have real value because it's more about assessment for equipment. So we do a private therapy with Willow, and an hour session is 55 euro. So I'm getting 73 euro a week. 55 of that has gone on private therapy, minus the fact that I have to drive to Dublin to do this. So if Willow was a typical child, she would be starting Montessori in September. So she would be getting her free placement in the ECC scheme for two years. So because Willow is not a typical child, she's not taking that placement. But yes, there's no funding invested in her. So by me not earning, you know, a decent wage or by social not appreciating the job I do, my child suffers. So as I said, she's a child first. She deserves a quality of life. She deserves to be allowed to do what interests her. You know, I have to look at things that, that I can do with Willow. So they're, they're not typical to what a child can do. And we're in the process of trying to do a sensory garden out the back, again, funded by ourselves, because we have to look into the broader scheme of things and see what we can do with Willow. But it all costs money and money that we're not afforded. Now, there, you know, there's three classes, as they say, in social classes. You've got your upper, your middle and your lower class. We're deemed as being middle class. Yes, now we're reduced to one wage. We have a mortgage and we have bills like everyone else. And we have actually more expenses now because of Willow's condition. Yes, we fall in between the cracks. You know, we're not deemed to be able to get social welfare. Yes, we're not no longer in the category that we were before because we don't have those two salaries coming into the home. So where do we fit? And the people that have been paying their taxes all their life, like my husband's paying the higher tax, I paid the taxes all of our lives. We're just left in the lurch. Yet we have contributed to society for years. Yes, we're not deemed to qualify for these benefits. Seventy-three euro a week. Yes. Sure, and it wouldn't even buy your shopping. <laughs> it certainly wouldn't today. And and uh, with the uh, visits you have with hospital, with the care that's needed as well, the travel and everything. Sure, it's nothing. You're not the first who've told me a similar type story over the years on late lunch. There have been others as well. And yet, here we return to it again. Does nobody realise in positions of power and influence and decision makers that if the likes of you, Tracy, put in your bill, you know, because you could, you could avail, I'm sure, of other services to take some of the, uh, the, the, the time that you give a little back to yourself. Well, you couldn't quantify the value of that. No, and I, I, I do think I, I'm, I'm kind of optimistic that change will happen because I think, you know, I have spoken with Regina Doherty and she is listening to stories and, you know, they, they need to see what's on the ground. There's no point in looking at figures and statistics and how many carers there are in the country and how many are. They need to look at the real, true stories. Um, you know, I, I should be seen as being employed and I should be able to earn, you know, my PRSI stamp and be eligible for a pension because I am doing a job. And, you know, there are services there that I could leave, you know, you could leave your daughter there. I don't want to, I want to raise my children. Unfortunately, I can't go out to work, so I'm at home with them. But I have to give Willow that care. 
you know, you can't ask somebody else to give the care. And it is a specialised care. You know, the people aren't competent to look after Willow because of her needs and the medication and the peg feeds. You couldn't just ask your own family to sit with her for a few hours because you have to train someone to do it and they have to be competent to do it. So the book falls with me. But I need to be respected and my daughter needs to be respected and she needs to be seen as a child who, you know, deserves this care and deserves for someone to be, you know, um, employed to do this. And me, her her carer, you know, needs to be respected and to be seen as doing a job. Mm, look, you know what would be a, a real eye-opener? That if Regina or, you know, the min- another minister in the government, we have the health minister there as well, Simon Harris, that let them into your life for a day or two and say... Oh, I have offered that on, on, on Twitter. I said, anybody wants to come and spend 24 hours with me? Be more than happy. I love to cook. <laughs> They'll get well fed. But see it. See it for, for how it yes. is, you know? Yes. Um, like, I tried to go to bed last night from 12 o'clock. 20 past 12, Willow was unsettled. Had to stop the feed, sort her out, thought she was grand. Ten minutes later, started again. You know, you think, oh, great, today is ending. It, it doesn't, you know, and you cannot take anything for granted. I could not tell you what's going to happen tonight. Mm. Last summer, we spent from May to September in hospital because Willow, we couldn't control her epilepsy at the time. And there was one day I counted 132 seizures. So you can imagine as a parent, your child has a chest infection and you're feeling upset for them. You can imagine watching this. And leaving my other child, Noah, who was four at the time, from the whole summer, from May to September, and the guilt that you feel, the guilt for for Willow being in this condition, the guilt for my child at home, the guilt for my husband, and to not be able to spend time at home, you're living in a hospital room. You know, it's... Do you ever get get a break? We get nine... um, uh, hate to see carer hours a week um, with Lorraine, she's great and then we have um, Jack and Jill hours so we have Catherine but you know the time I guess is spent if I need a bit of shopping or I've always got to go to the chemist because you can't see chopping up on medications or you have to go to the hate to see stores to get Willow supplies or then the, the time I've left I give to Noah so really your time is spent on things that people would take for granted you drop kids to do and you go shopping that doesn't happen you know in our in our house um, the rain comes in the morning so I can get Noah to school because Willow can be very unsettled in the morning and it's you know hard to get Noah out the door so the time you're awarded is really time that you're given to do the other things to keep the house going so it's not really about time for yourself yes. you know yeah so you don't there's no such thing as family time a breakaway or anything like that no 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 that I hasn't mean this happened. time last year we actually went to Waterford for uh, we booked away for five nights and came home after two and back into Cavan Hospital at Willow. So you just, there's no point in planning anything because you just, you just mm. can't. So there's medication, she's peg fed, all that goes with that as well and you do that yourself. So this, you're talking to me today because I know what's happening now. We're only at the middle of June or the midpoint of the year really, the, the longest day coming up. But submissions are happening already with a view to the next budget which will come upon us, you know, when the doll resumes after the summer break. Yes. Have you made a submission or, you know, you're talking to me today to highlight this. Do you honestly believe, you said to me you feel something will happen. Do you honestly believe that they're listening and that you will uh, be, a, you know, at, at long last compensated well, you know, properly? I think I take life with optimism. So I like to look at 
things, you know, people say to me, oh, you have it really hard. And I say, but it could be worse. So that is how, you know, I generally feel about life. And I like to, obviously days are tough and you do have down days, but I like to just think positively. So, you know, the stories are out there and I think there's more awareness. There really is more awareness. I mean, I worked in disability service many moons ago and, you know, it was probably more hidden back in those days where now, you know, I think people are definitely more aware and more accepting. So I hope that, you know, my optimism is reached um, and that we do see changes in the budget. I mean, it has to change. It can't continue like this. I mean, the health service is in crisis in, in every area. So, you know, we are saving the state God knows how much money. Yes. So acknowledge us. And, you know, by means testing, you know, it should be assessment of the whole area of your home, not just the money that's coming in. And, you know, we shouldn't be penalised for being working mm. our whole lives or my husband having a job. You know, at the yes. end of the day, we have bills. We are paying our mortgage. I'm not looking for rent allowance. I'm not looking, you know, to be given a social house. We have our own home. We're paying our mortgage. I'm just looking to be recognised. And so, you know, are all the other carers out there. So it's just a voice for everybody, really. You know, it's just to really draw awareness. And, you know, it'll be another issue next week and people will have forgotten about Carers Week. You know, Carers Week obviously highlighted a lot of stories. That week is over. You know, next week will be something else. But we need to keep the momentum going. We need to keep our stories out there. And people need to to tell the truth of what they're doing day to day and that they need to be acknowledged and they need to be seen as an employee and they need to be allowed the rights of everybody in the workplace because it is a job at the end of the day. It certainly is, and one that you're uh, so committed to, and the love that's involved, and you know what a little fighter she is. Two years of age at this stage. What, what, what long term do you think about that? About her and and her life? I try not to. I mean, we're always aware that any day, you know, anything can happen with Willow, and I mean, you know, she's not really expected to to live a long life. Um, I I. <laughs> I don't really like to think about it, but then there is the other side. I mean, my husband only said to me two days ago, he says, you know, we have to think about Noah going forward. And I said, well, yeah, you know, he's he's always aware. And he says, no, but if Willow lived into her 20s, he says, you don't know that. I mean, Noah could effectively end up being her carer. And where's the support for him? So, you know, you need to set, you know, stuff aside for Noah if that, that happened. But, I mean, with Willow's condition, she suffers a lot with respiratory. She's a chest infection at the moment with seizures you, you really just don't know so we just get up every morning and take each day as it comes and I'm just happy that she's here and she gives us so much joy she's absolutely just gorgeous and her smiles just lift your heart and I just enjoy every moment I have with her absolutely and that's just you have to you just have to take it day by day sometimes yeah. hour by hour <laughs> yeah I can imagine yeah. with all you go through and uh, the unexpected twists and turns that there are well look I wanted to talk to you today to let listeners understand that you are one example of many people who are out there in this mm. situation and your voice is not a massive one it's not strong as you said when Carers Week is over it sort of fades into the background for another year but quite simply as you said there it can't it just can't yeah. anymore uh, and there are people in my situation who are just so sad and suffering with mental health and they just can't get up and get on and they can't voice you know the reality so you know there needs to be a voice for everybody so you know that is why I'm doing this you know it's not about telling my sad story I don't feel sad um, it's not about, you know, a pity party. We're not looking for that. We just want to be a voice for everybody in 
the same fields that we are in that don't have the strength to get up because you know it can be really really hard and thankfully I'm a strong person and I just get on and get up with it but you know if you weren't this this can just bury you Mm. so you know a little bit of help from the government a little bit more support an improvement in services I mean I know all these things take time but it has to start and it has to start now Absolutely. Let's leave everybody with that thought. And it's been my privilege to speak to you today. Honestly, Tracy, and I wish you, Willow, your husband, John and little Noah as well, all the very best. And hopefully we'll have good news on this sooner rather than later. Thank you for taking time to join. Thank you very much. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Tracy Carroll in County Mead speaking to me this afternoon. If you're in that situation, if you're affected by anything we've been talking about, if you'd like to comment, we'd love to hear from you. 086 1800 658 WhatsApp or text. If you care to call in, it's 1850-715-958. Townsend right in there. Houghton also making his presence felt. There's his shot. It's a goal for Ireland. The goalkeeper caught badly out of position. And Ray Houghton has made it 1-0. Yes, 25 years ago this very day, Ray Houghton put the ball in the Italian net. Giant Stadium, New Jersey. Yes, New York City, just on the uh, outskirts of the city there. And I was there, Louise. I I was in the stadium on that day. I was sitting right behind the Irish dugout, two rows back, when that ball hit the Italian net. And I can always remember it. I was sitting in a puddle of water. (laughs) Was that hot? My arse was soaked. (laughs) And I didn't spill water on myself. I didn't do anything like that. The temperature in the stadium, how they played, you know, and functioned in that I was heat, nerves. I'll never know. I was absolutely saturated. <laughs> the sweat was pouring out of me. I had water with me, but as you were drinking, it was coming out through your pores everywhere. But my, oh my, what a memory. I'll always remember as well from that game, Paul McGrath. He was outstanding. He was just outstanding. And you know, McGrath, he had dodgy knees, he had a lot of injuries, but... He was the outstanding man on the field that day. But what a win to beat the Italians. How did they do it? They just did it because... They, but I mean, tra- as you were saying, he was old. We had really old players, didn't we? We had older players well, well, anyway. We had, we had more experienced players then, Louise. And we and had uh, we had fellas who were playing in the, the top league in England. And I think maybe it was the first division it was called at that stage, not the Premier League. Maybe it was just the start of the Premier League era. I can't remember anyway. Uh, 1994, maybe around then the, the Premier League began or just after it. But we had top class players, an experienced team, a great manager, a system. We knew how to play and that's put them under pressure. <laughs> that's what we did. We put them under pressure. And was but, it your greatest memory of all oh, time? Oh, it's one of the greatest following Ireland. I've been in many places following Ireland and at home and abroad. I'll tell you another great one. Uh, it was September 2001 when we beat Holland in a World Cup qualifier in Dublin, in Lansdowne Road. Uh, Jason McAteer scored the goal. Gary Kelly, our own Gary Kelly, was sent off that day. We had 10 men for a lot of the game against the Dutch and we beat them and knocked them out. They they were gone from the World Cup and they were just outstanding. I remember that day as well. And actually that day, I was uh, I did commentary on that game in Lansdowne. We, right. At the time we were doing commentary, it was a Saturday, I'm nearly sure, and they took it here on Saturday Sport. Brendan Cummins may have been presenting it that day if my memory serves me right and I did the whole game and afterwards when we won sure we went mad I was live on the big uh, Dutch radio station in Amsterdam they they took me on and I said this man is so excited <laughs> they understand you <laughs> 
<laughs> they did. And listen, there's another soccer story breaking. Will you give that man a call there and I'll just uh, go well, to something else here that we're, uh, lo- on, a, on a local basis we're going to go to now. But what memories of that day in uh, Giant Stadium? 25 years ago today, it's hard to believe that all that time has gone by and all the water that's gone under the bridge since then. And that was the legendary, I have to remind listeners, Brian Moore on commentary there. Not our own George Hamilton. That particular clip was Brian Moore. Remember Brian Moore presented the big match on UTV every Sunday? Sunday lunchtime, you'd get all the big games in the uh, lo- in the London area. The London team is playing in the different divisions. That was Brian Moore on commentary there. Now, from international matters, soccer to local matters, because there's news coming from Europe. Dundalk in the first round of the Champions League. The draw, I believe, has just been made. Martin Connolly, good afternoon. How are you doing, Jerry? How things? Who have you got? Uh, we've drawn a home to Riga of uh, Latvia. Riga of Latvia, home win on my coupon already for sure. There you are. Um, There's not never for sure in, in this, Jerry. So, we'll, so uh, we'll see nothing just yet. Okay, so you had Dundalk at home in the first leg. Well, that all has to be confirmed, Jerry. That's the way they come out of the pot. But what normally happens in these situations is they have to be confirmed, and um, the days of the week have to be confirmed as well. Whether you play the first leg on the Tuesday or the Wednesday, and, and then you reverse for the next leg. But. Um, I, I, I always approach with caution and these things so it has to be officially confirmed um, the days and dates. OK, and those ties are down to be played when? Soon, yes? Yeah, uh, the first leg is down to be played on the 9th and the 10th and the, and the return leg on the 16th or the 17th. Of July, of OK. July, yeah. yes. So yeah. those games coming up quickly. And uh, tomorrow you will know potentially if you go through your second round opponents. That's happening tomorrow, isn't it? That's right, that's right, that throws on tomorrow. Okay. In, uh, neon. So you'll know then, uh, and hopefully Dundalk will get by Riga from Latvia. It's a good draw, Martin, isn't it? You're happy with that? Ah, yeah, we're happy with that. You know, no, you know, personally speaking, I would have been uh, trying to avoid the Polish team that's in there. From they, they come from a very good league, and for obvious reasons, logistics and everything, I I was hoping we didn't get Linfield on this occasion. I know a lot of people would have been because it's 40 years from the famous game in 79 and all that sort of stuff, but there's other things that you need to... To yes. take into consideration. Absolutely, you're right. Riga is a good draw and a nice trip for the fans as well to a beautiful city there. Hopefully Dundalk. You, you, you prefer, would you prefer the second leg at home or what, what way do you look on that? Uh, I don't really mind, Jerry. It, 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 it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm quite happy to go home first, you know. It's, um, um, you know, I think it is a decent draw and I, 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 think, like, I think it's a three-hour flight so it's, it's, it's not really too major, you know. Yeah, great. Well, listen, thanks Martin for joining us. I know it's just happened and uh, that's breaking news. Dundalk play Riga from Latvia in the first round of the Champions League. Uh, second round draw to come tomorrow and we'll follow that closely as well. Thanks a million, Martin. Thank you, Jerry. All Wish you well. Bye. Take care now. Martin Connolly there from Dundalk Football Club. So there you are. You have it. Riga from Latvia. Dundalk playing in the first round of the Champions League. Now, just to remind you, if you or someone belonging to you is applying to college in September or thinking of your next step on your education path, then you really should check out DKIT's first ever digital open day today. DKIT are giving you the opportunity to explore all they have to offer via their new interactive open day platform. This is really good, folks. You can watch videos about the degree courses, book a call with their lecturers or chat live to the admissions team to get the answers you need. This is brilliant. So log on to dkit.ie forward slash digital open day. That's dkit.ie forward slash digital open day anytime up to six o'clock today and uh, check that out. Well worth doing and well done to DKIT on that one there. Let's head in towards news and weather at two o'clock with the brilliant Codaline. 
back when we were seventeen, drinking, kissing in the street. We couldn't get enough. See you laying there with me, like my missing puzzle piece. Dreaming of what we could be. I couldn't make you up. We had the songs that we sang along to. You had the moves to make me dance with you. I always saw you reaching and catching stars. We had the thing that everyone wanted. Hung on your sleeve, you wore your heart on it. Did you get out? I'm wondering where you are. Did you fall? We had the songs that we sang along to. You had the moves to make me dance with you. I always saw. Remember the old priest show? Well, that's what I feel like today on Late Lunch because a little bit later on, Father Sean McDonough from the Columbans is with me to talk about that report on the environment. You know Sean well. But there's a fellow with me now and we started out in secondary school together. What year was it, Eamon? 1973, was it? And I've just presented you with, tell the listeners. The results from Class 10 Guelga. We were geniuses. <laughs> oh, don't give them the scores. <laughs> I'll take it back off you there. Con McGinley, you remember Con? I do indeed, yeah. Con started teaching the... That was his first ever class he took and you and I were in that first ever class. Look at, and he spelt my name wrong. Did he? Yeah, two N's. Only one N in my aim. Oh my God, all these years later. Con... Are you listening? We're, we're deducting your marks. <laughs> we're deducting your marks, Con, if you're listening today. Anyway, it's Father Eamon Sheridan is with us from the Columbans and you are very welcome back today. Thank you. Lunch. Good to be here, Jerry. It's great yeah. to see you. Do you remember, what do you remember of those early days in school? Do you remember anything of it? Yeah, well, I was think, coming up, I would think, because they're all doing the Leaving Cert now. Yes. And I was thinking, it's 41 years ago that we did the Leaving Cert. 41 years. Eamon, stop, will you? <laughs> Please. That's, you know, that's unbelievable. It is. Yeah. It is. That's a working lifetime complete. We shouldn't be even here. Yeah. The only thing, I remember Brother McKinney. I remember Brother McKinney well. God rest his soul. Look what I've written on my page. What have I written there? Oh, Brother McKinney. Mm. Yeah. On my notes before you came yeah. today. Just to let you know, Brother McKinney was a fantastic teacher, as Amazing you were. Amazing man. He yeah. was just unbelievable. Yeah, uh, yeah. What he gave. We thought... We thought he was mad at the time That's because right. he was bringing us in Saturdays and everything. Yeah, God. But it paid off. Absolutely. And the keys, when you'd hear the keys ringing, yes. you go back to your... You know, he never had to shout, he never had to do anything. He just rattled the keys and we all ra- went back he, to our he place. He raised his voice. And you know the never. black... Do you remember the black sleeky yes, hair? Yes, indeed, yeah. He passed away a couple of years I ago. I know, in indeed. I was sorry, yeah. Zambia. Port just... Uh, uh, Oh, he wasn't Zambia, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah. But I'll tell you, his memory goes on because, do you remember Pat Flood? Pat should be on, Patrick Flood should yes, be on that list yeah. you have there. Is he on it? He is. Yes. Stan Buckley, is Stan on Dan that list Stan is there, yeah. All, the, all very yeah, intelligent lads. Do you know what Pat did last year? We got in touch again okay. and I have been in touch with Stan on and off. He put up a cup in Brother McKinney's memory ah. and it's awarded now in the school as one of their prizes at ah, the end of the year. Brilliant. And there's a picture of him has been no, put up in the brilliant. new school as well. I'm delighted with that person. Brilliant, because he was such a great yes. man. Yeah, he was a great, great, great teacher, great I have man. to say. Yeah. Well, how have you been since you've been here last? You, you were here, just to remind listeners, when you finished as parish priest in Ballymont. That's right, yeah. Yeah, 90, uh, yeah, 80, uh, what's, what, 2017. <laughs> 2016 I finished in Ballymont. Yes. Yeah, but I was here in 2017. You were with me. Beginning of the year, so yeah. So two and a half years ago. Yeah. 
and you were you weren't sure at that stage where you where you were going. Did you know? Well, I think I knew. No, I right. knew. I knew at that so stage. So you yeah. are now based in Myanmar. In, in Myanmar, yeah, yeah. What part? Used to be called, but the northeast, a very rural part called Kachinland. It's a kind of um, northeast Burma, um, mainly populated by Kachin people. They're not Burmese. They're an eth- there are many ethnic groups in Myanmar. That's called the Union of Myanmar. Mm. And the Union means all these different groups that are there. So I'm with the Kachins. Well, we know the Rohingya and all that <laughs> yeah, has happened yeah. there, sadly, Eamon. Uh, just, you know, yeah. they're another minority in the country. Yeah. But you said it is the form of Burma. We're talking about Myanmar. Um, you and- can't mention that name there, by the way. Why? They won't, you can't say the name. They don't acknowledge the name Rohingya. Yeah. At all? No. No, it's, it's, you have to be very quiet, can you know, in the country. And, and of course, mm. uh, the Rohingya are Muslims uh, and the Buddhism is the main religion yes, in, yeah. in the country. And yeah. that's where the, the conflict has been. I just saw their numbers. There was over a million Rohingya. It's down now to, what, half a million? Probably, yeah. They've, they've fled. Fled, yeah. Shocking, yeah. isn't it? Terrible, yeah. What's your take on Aung San Suu Kyi? Because she got all these awards and suddenly the whole world are uh, re- stripping them from her, taking the awards off. We did as well, the Freedom of Dublin, gone. Did we, yeah, yeah. I'm sure she'll miss grazing the sheep on uh, Stephen's Green. N- no, um, she no. won't. But look, seriously, the, the military, she was the great <coughs> hope that, you know, yeah. um, that normalisation of sorts would return to the country and the administration of the country. It doesn't seem to have happened. No, um, it's it's a very, very slow process. And basically, the way the constitution is, the military still have control. OK. Um, so yeah. she, her civilian government have actually very little power and they have no power over any of the foreign affairs or internal security or anything like that. That's still in the hands of the military. But having said that, said that um, she hasn't. Personally, I don't feel she's done enough. Like you Yes, know. and I think that yeah. was the, the view in the greater world. We'll yeah. park that one for the minute because God knows who might hear this in the world. The way communications are today, we can yes, be heard everywhere. But look, um, I was looking at the population in the country there. It's a huge country, 54.3 million people. Yeah. 8.2% Christian, of which 1.3% of the population are Catholic. It's still a substantial number, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's small in the overall context. I yeah. remember saying this to you before because you were in Taiwan where there was yeah. a small... Even smaller than that. Even yeah. smaller. Yeah, tiny. Is that... <laughs> you know they say you're doing something against the wind here. I won't use the word on air. I couldn't today. You know that's your... <laughs> Uh, trying to keep the tide running, back. Yeah, walk, yeah, 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 you know the word I'm using. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. It's a slang. Yeah. But do you ever feel like that, you know, in, in your ministry? No, not at all. No, I'm, I'm actually where I am, the Kachins are all Christian. Mm. Um, mostly, the majority are Baptist and the rest are, are Catholic. Um, so it's a very unusual part of Myanmar. It's, yeah. you, you really feel like you're in a different country from the rest of Myanmar. Um, in the rest of Myanmar, you have all of the Buddhist temples everywhere. In Kachinland, you have mostly churches everywhere. Yeah. So it's a very different experience there. And and I'm working with 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 addicts, recovering addicts in, in the area of addiction. So sometimes you can feel in that you might be um running against the wind. Uh, mm. But no, it's mm. no, I don't feel that at all. I feel very fulfilled there and very happy kind of, you know. It's mm. um but it's a it's different from anywhere else I've been and mm. probably the most difficult place I've been. You say something there and I had a chat with somebody recently about this. I we were talking about life and how your life has unfolded and I've always said I've been happy, thank God, in, mm. in my life. But you know the word somebody said back to me, yes, happiness, but contentment. You seem very content and have always been content wherever life took you on your ministry. Well, I don't know whether always, but yeah. certainly now. I, I, I mean, I do. I feel, I feel the most content I think I've ever been, yeah. 
I really feel that this it's almost like I feel my life up until this was almost preparation for this kind of really yeah I do I, I kind of um, yeah it's an, it's a strange feeling but when you just know you're in the right place mm. and that's where God wants you to be and that's where God wants me to be I feel I really feel that strongly and so so I'm very happy there like you know it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a great way to be and, and he mm. is a, a Drogheda boy like myself I have to say sure. born and reared in the place but you mentioned the word God where is God Eamon in this world of ours it's in such a state of chassis at the moment mm. where is God right in the middle of it like you know I mean for me anyway I mean just to speak I can only speak for my situation like you know and I'm in Kachinland, there are 130,000 people who have been driven from their homes by the Burmese military living in camps. They don't get any media because, you know, it's, I don't know why, to be honest, but they're living in camps. They've been driven from their homes. Every single family has somebody addicted to heroin. Everybody. It's, it's the second biggest producer of heroin in the world after Afghanistan. So it's like you wonder what's going on. Like, it's rich in natural resources, but none of it goes to the local people, all taken out by different people so people have nothing it's one of the poorest it's the rich somebody said it's the richest country in Southeast Asia with the poorest people and that's true and so where I find God there is in the struggle of the people in their their resilience in their care for each other in their looking after each other it's it's very obvious to me I have no difficulty in seeing God working through them and speaking to me can you know Mm. Um, so my my faith is deepened by being there yeah. I wish he just touched Trump and Putin and, uh, you know, all... Well, but, these, you know, the news is all about them, Jerry. But if you go down, you walk out in the street in Drogheda, you'll see lots of people helping each other, looking after each other, caring for each other, you know. But th- does that get in the news? No. No, can you know? It's, it's, what uh, gets in the news is the gang warfare that's yeah, been going on here. Sta- and, and that's probably natural, like, you know, the, the sensational stuff gets in the news. But every day, there's people at home now looking after elderly relatives, like, you know. I had a woman at the top of the show there talking about a little two-year-old girl that she's with 24-7. Yeah, so there you are. Tracy Carroll. That's where God is, like, you know, in the midst of that kind, you know, that love, the love that's there. God is love. It's very simple, like, you know. We write hundreds of books about it, like, you know, but when it comes down to it, God is love. And where, where love is, there's where God is. Brilliant. I'll reflect on those words, and I'm sure an awful lot of people listening to us uh, will as well. You, you've been in, you followed these things, I think, in the world. You've been in Hong Kong recently. I, I, because it's a direct flight now from Hong Kong to Dublin. So yeah. for me, it was the easiest way you to went come down home. there. Yeah. And you were there just before this mass. I was there for the first big march, yeah. And, and then just for the, the day the, the, the rioting started. Or sorry, the day um, there was a, yeah, the, the police went crazy and started mm. it, yeah. It's another place, though, as well, that people are saying, no, you know, they want, they don't want yeah, to be under the, I really admire those young people. Uh, that they're really, really admirable people. Like, at the march on Sunday, I don't know if you saw any of the coverage, but like when it was over, the streets were spotless. They took all of their the stuff with them. Nobody, there was no big cleanup needed. They, an ambulance came. There were two million people on the street. It was like, it was like the Red Sea parting. The people just parted to let the ambulance th- through, kind you know, amazing people, like you know, with amazing strength. And thank God they're, you know, they're having an impact. Yeah. And is that typical? Is that you know, today we are 
a changed world, a changed people as well with all the modern technology and all we have on this stuff beside us and people with their heads stuck in this and living an online existence. That flies in the face of, you know, convention, what you say there. You know, mm-hmm. that the young people are well tuned in and will stand up. Is is, is that a phenomenon worldwide? I, 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 well, certainly it is. Yeah, I think so, yeah. many, But certainly in Hong Kong. But it was this. It was this mobile phone. It was social media that got these people together. Like you know. So it it, it served a purpose. Yeah, in this yeah. Sort of, and that, a very that's where all the information purpose. came yes. from. Can you know? Yeah. So we can use it to turn it round. And if you saw the march at night, thousands they had their the light on in their phone. They weren't carrying candles. Like, no. You know? yeah, yeah. It was the light on their phone. Yeah. You know? so brilliant. Uh, brilliant. Isn't he great? Yes. He's me. I was going to say. I won't use that word. He's my school buddy. You know the word I was going to say in there. Mature school buddy. He's on. <laughs> Dropped into late lunch for a chat with me today. Father Eamon Sheridan is with us. He's staying uh, for a little while longer. Come back after this break. Father Eamon Sheridan is with me on late lunch. My school buddy, class 10, St. Joseph CBS, 1973, when we went into secondary school. And we're just talking there. We have the class role from that first day here. And a number of the guys have passed away. You know, I was just oh, mentioning God. a couple of the names there. Mark Simpson from Cullen. The Simpsons well known from Cullen. Farm machinery people. Joe McHugh from Georgia Street and Drogheda. Another lad who passed Passed away, and I mentioned somebody else to you there Kevin, as well. Kevin Doyle. Kevin Doyle. You didn't know that Kevin, no. the great footballer. God. Yeah, a few years back as well. Sad. God rest him. Uh, really brings it home. The years passing, doesn't it? Back to you and your ministry in the Just priesthood. You, you, you're probably not aware of this. It's trending all over. We come back to social media again, and here was I going to give out about it. I'm sure we rely on it all the time. The Vatican have issued some kind of discussion paper about um, <laughs> elderly well, men being able to follow a vocation in the priesthood elderly married men okay what do you make of that um, any thoughts I'm putting you on the spot here yeah, I have, you're always I, good on the spot in the school I class I haven't heard of it now, but I know that the, the, the synod on the church in the Amaz- Amazonia which mm. is this huge area and uh, I suppose if the church if the Eucharist is the central mystery for us and that's what we gather around as Catholic Christians um, then you know we have to to have the Eucharist, you have to have priests, and so if the, if that's the solution, then I have no problem. You no need to remind you because you were in Ballymun up till two and a half years ago, and you know you're back here home at the minute. And really, it's it's juggling the resources. Mm. That I'm talking about priests yeah. to try and keep churches alive and services going. Well, I was talking I was talking to somebody recently, and really, it's about empowering people in the church. Like you know, I mean, the focus has always been on priests, and really, that's. That has to stop, like, you know. The priest is the servant of the people, like, you know. So it's the, it's the people's church. So people have to take control and ownership of their parish, of their place, and be allowed to do that, like, you know. Um, so so does that mean lay people Absolutely. saying mass? No, that wouldn't happen. That can't yeah, happen. Yeah, you have to be ordained. That's a bridge yeah. too far. Yeah. We have the lay deacons, you know that anyway at the moment, yeah, yeah, that yeah, do yeah. an awful well, lot. Well, they're not... They're when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. They're deacon. They're ordained. But they are married. Yes. Yes. yes, and they can do. What can they not do? They can't say mass. Yes. Can they conduct a funeral service? Sure. A marriage. Yes. They can't Baptisms. hear confession. Yeah. yeah. They can't hear confession. Yeah. So confession and the ceremony of mass yeah. is beyond. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Could you allow that? Hap- you're very into theology here today. Mm, I am. Sure. I'm only off the plane, Jerry. <laughs> Gee, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only off the plane myself. I was in Italy for a week. Well, you should have asked the Pope. <laughs> oh, God almighty. Well, you know, I'm just saying, if I said to Louise Walsh, my producer, get Francis, I'll tell you that woman would get him. Because she's that brilliant. I'm not joking you. She'll get anybody for late lunch. So, Louise, she's in there listening. She's nodding. She's going to give it a go. Get, get Pope on. Francis on there and see what he thinks. Get him on the line, Louise. Oh, what? Yeah. He thinks about this. Well, you could have had a life in politics, you know that as well. You've just bounced that lovely out of the, batted it out I'm, of the court. I'm here, just, I'm, I'm from a place in the middle of nowhere where look, all of this stuff is peripheral, really. Like you know, mm. it's not something we. I'm thinking about that much. Yeah. From your own experience, uh, you are a priest, and celibacy, of course, is a, is a central part to it. Do you think you could have done what you've done, or minister as you are at the moment, if you were married? Me, yes. as a missionary, um, very difficult, I would say. Yeah, I think um, it, it would have to be a very special relationship to... to go, uh, not being married gives me a great freedom in some way, because if you're married, your family have to be number one in your life, can you know? that's uh, For me, I'm free. I'm living at the moment with, you know, in, in a rehabilitation centre with 50 young recovering addicts, um, mostly young, but some of them are older. And... It's so it's to uh, to live with a family there would be very difficult. Yes, yeah, it'd be very difficult. Mm. So um, in the beginning, you know, celibacy was more of a challenge. Now I feel very peaceful, actually. You know, and mm. I see it. I really do see it as as, as an addition to my to my life to be able to to go yes. where I can go. Yeah. How many languages do you speak <clears throat> now? Because I remember I talked to you. Like, God, we we're eleven years on the go here as well. Back when yeah, we were starting, and languages. you were mm. in Taiwan and was saying that the language there was particularly challenging. Yeah, yeah. I, sp- I learned a bit of Taiwanese, which was the local Chinese language, and then Mandarin. I learned after that. I learned a bit of Italian when I studied in Italy, and now I'm doing a bit of Kachin, the local Jingpo, they call it, the local language in Myanmar. But I don't know about your brain, but at fifty-eight, fifty-nine, like you know, the brain, <laughs> it just doesn't remember. Like you know, <laughs> they tell you a word, and you go, you have it in you, and then you walk out the door, and you go, what did they say? What was that word? Like you know, so it's it's a big challenge, now. Yes. and I'm never going to get that language um, really fluently. But mm. I'm trying because mm. you know I try. I say mass in the local language, and once a week on a Sunday I try to preach in it. But I have to spend a long time with a teacher trying to 
you know, get the words out. Mm. And then I look down at people and see, and they're looking up at me with mouth open. I'm going, okay, they're not understanding anything I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but hold on, I, I, I did go to Mass in Italy. Yeah. Oh, you did, yeah. I, I did on the Sunday. And would you believe it, I don't go to it here, but I did. We went in, myself and Mary went to Mass and it was an Italian. But you know what I felt, Eamon? It was better. I felt, wasn't it, a privilege to be part of something that mm. is worldwide. Yeah, yeah. Every v- town and village almost in the world has a kind of a connection. Like, mm. you know. And these, one of the things that I find very moving, at, at 6 p.m. in the evening in, 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 in this place, <clears throat> all these people gather, we gather in this chapel, and we sit down and they pray a decade of the rosary together. And it moves me to tears sometimes because they, like, they sing with gusto and they pray with great feeling. And then at the end, they make a prayer, a spontaneous prayer. Somebody's in charge. Wow, they will really go into it. Like, you know, they're praying for this person and that person. And, and the one thing I really find, they always pray for me, you know, which I think, wow, you know, maybe that's why I'm able to stay here. Like, you know, they really, and I know many people, my family, friends, people in Drogheda, people wherever I've been are praying for me. Like, you know, mm. and I, I'm always conscious of that, that support, like, you know, because without that, I wouldn't be where I am, like you know. It's um, but you're right. It's it's a you. It's a you know. We're, yeah, it's universal, well, and yeah. it's only when you're abroad and you go and attend mass and whatever that you really. It really dawned on me. It has not, but it really dawned on me this time. Do you love being home? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm delighted to be home. Yeah, it's great. Like you know, it's um, it takes you a while to. I'm I'm back less than a week at the minute, so mm. it's still kind of settling. Can you know? It's kind of it's almost like reverse culture shock. You know, it's uh, oh, I'm, here I am, and then I came home. I came home in in um, a t-shirt and sandals, and I came out at Dublin Airport. It was like the middle of December. <laughs> I was fr- I came from forty degrees, forty degrees heat the day I left Michina. And I kept walking. It was nine or ten degrees at Dublin Airport. It's like going to the North Pole. You should have come last summer. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great comfort. It was a one in ten. You know, one of those one in ten. I know, yeah, yeah. And then everyone's saying, no, it's going to be like this every year. <laughs> it's not like this this year. Not at all. It'd shave you. It's only a week away. And I saw the difference as well myself. Um, being back and, and you've been in touch with the news here, what's been happening. It's a very changed place from uh, Class 10, 1973, right, St. Joseph's yeah. CBS, isn't it? Oh, but I'd say they're all getting the same marks. <laughs> don't be looking at that. Put that away. I say the wrong. Jerry, let me see. Jerry don't, Kelly. Yeah, got, take it, no. yeah, hold on, your microphone's going down. I'm going to silence you. Louise, take him off the air. There, we're not giving out the marks. It's a, it's a very changed. Just place, to tell yeah. you, Father Eamon was a clever clogs. In I was class. not. He was. I was not. He wouldn't admit it, but he was. But you see, my problem was I was doing then what I do now. He never shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was there studying for him be in your ear every five minutes like you know he was interviewing me back then and I never knew it yeah. I didn't know what lay ahead like, I got distracted for a few years and then arrived here my, my, my responses were a little ruder than they are today <laughs> anyway you're home to when August yeah. we'll see you again before you go back Please listen God. thanks for dropping in welcome, real pleasure Jerry. great Thank to catch you. up with you Father Eamon Sheridan thanks a million ok God bless him good morning but it's raining everything you've ever said, yeah. This morning, the way it's falling, nothing's landing on my head. Hey, there's a cloud, grey, the lining is shedding, can't touch my day. It's rising the wedding, and you, me, and everybody I know is waving us away. It's a heavenly day.
Now, my next guest is a jockey who was crowned leading lady rider for the 2017-18 National Hunt season, a feat she repeated again this year with 27 winners. She hails from Garristown in North County, Dublin, and joins me today to talk about herself and the forthcoming Town Racing Festival. Yes, she's an ambassador for the races, and I'm delighted to have her here, Lisa O'Neill. You're welcome to Late Lunch. Thank you. Thank you very much Thank for Thank you me. for joining me today. And just reminding listeners, it's the 3rd to the 6th of July on the Hill of Bellius Town. It's only a stone's throw from where you come from. Do you love it? Is it special to you? It is. It definitely is. Like, Bellius Town was my local track growing up. So um, I think my mother recalls pushing me around in a buggy when I was younger in Bellius Town. So um, it's fantastic to be the ambassador for the July Festival this year. And of course, you come from thoroughbred, thoroughbred stock, may I say. Your dad and your family, horsey people. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose I was kind of um, bred into it. It was second nature to me to ride a horse. So um, it's fantastic to um, to have come so far and uh, to be the face of Bellistown this year. Now, you competitively rode for the first time at 16 was it you were just 16 years of age I was I actually had my first ride when I was in school so my first ride was, was for my father so um, it was fantastic to ride for him on um, my first uh, ride on the track um, but yeah so um, then I, it took a while to ride my first winner but uh, I got there eventually Yeah it did take time you had 95 of them before you were in the winner's enclosure when you go through a spell like that and it's a quite lengthy spell do you have misgivings do you think maybe this isn't for me? Um, possibly a little bit. I suppose um, when I finished school, I'd done a few different things and done a bit of travelling. So um, I, I continue to ride throughout. But um, I suppose I kind of knuckled down and um, kind of put my head to it and just decided uh, racing was something I wanted to do. So it took a while before I had my first winner. But once once I got that um, and uh, I suppose the thrill and, and the buzz and uh, what you feel when you cross the line is something that you uh, get addicted to then, really. And my, have you become addicted to it with all the winners since. Do you remember that day, the 22nd of June in 2010 in Newton Abbott? Was that your first one? That was my first one, yeah. That was my first winner. So um, it was fantastic to get. Um, and I think I came home then and rode another winner in the current the Ladies did. Derby. So um, you remember the names of those horses? Yeah. Do you remember the Newton Abbott fella? Uh, that was Vintage Fabric. So very that was my good, first Lisa. Winner, so and the one I in the Cora? Uh, that was Mon Champion for Absolutely. Fast Lane. Yeah, oh, so. you see, you don't forget it. You're like <laughs> no. a golfer. They remember all these triumphs and shots and everything. Yeah, you can't forget the good days. Oh, not at all. And away you go, really, from there. You've had some really big wins, may I say? And congratulations to you. Was Cheltenham the highlight of your career? Uh, absolutely. I suppose the Cheltenham Festival is the pinnacle of national hunt racing. So to be there on the big stage and I, I suppose the when I rode Tiger Roll, it was actually my first ride at the festival. So um, to be to be just there and to have a ride at the Cheltenham Festival was amazing for me. But I mean, to come up the hill on front and, and ride into the winner's enclosure was what dreams are made of. I can only imagine the roar. I've never been, but they say it's unbelievable when you cross that line there and you're an Irish winner as well. Yeah, I, I have to say, like, um, I'm a bit of a pessimist. So um, until I landed over the last and, and crossed the finish line in front, I, I didn't think it was going to happen. But it's, uh, it still gives me shivers thinking about it today. So it's it's something I'll never forget. And it, I mean, it's it's what you give your right arm to do. So um, I, I give my right arm to do it again. <laughs> Please, God, you will <laughs> You're only, you're only a young one. You have lots of time a- ahead of you. What 
when you look at all the course, and you've had great success in Kerry and the big uh, tracks here at home, and of course in the UK, if you had a favourite track, where would it be? Um, I suppose I'd have to split it between um, Killarney and Bellystown. I suppose Bellystown being my local track, and Killarney is is just a lo- it's a lovely track itself. The two of them are so unique themselves, and uh, and they're beautiful places to ride around. Bellystown for you special. Have you rode a winner in Bellystown? I have actually. I rode a winner a couple of years ago. Um, a horse called Y'all by the Sea for Gordon Elliott, and uh, he was actually owned by Davy Russell's father, so it was extra special. No. As regards the animals themselves, you mentioned Tiger Roll there. What a horse. Is he the best you've ever worked with? Or, or do you have another one that sticks with you to say that was a beautiful animal to work with? Uh, no, I, I suppose Tiger Roll definitely um, definitely tops the tops that. But um, he, he's just, he's an outstanding, outstanding horse himself. And, and to be associated with him and, and to get to ride him out at home and, and to get to throw the leg across him at Shelton Festival is, is just something that everyone, everyone that works with horses wants to do. Now, Gordon Elliott, you mentioned there, and of course you are part of his operation and most successful uh, stable it is. Come on, Lisa, tell me today. What? <laughs> why is he so successful? Listen, just between you and me. <laughs> it, it's very hard to put your finger on. Um, it's, a, it's a brilliant place to work. There, there's so many great staff and it runs so well. It, it's a great routine and, and horses need good routine. But um, I mean... Gordon knows what he's doing and he does it very well but it's hard to pinpoint what exactly it is but um, it seems to work and it works very well. There you are, I'm struggling again and she's worse than Eamon Sheridan earlier on I just can't get it out of her at all Celibacy one minute and she won't give me the in into God but look, at he, he's had wonderful success and a, a top trainer for, for consistently now You know when Tiger Roll came back and you mentioned him there and you won in Cheltenham with him and he's won two Grand Nationals now 18 and 19 his return home it was like you know what I mean a, a, a Gaelic team winning the All-Ireland or a soccer team coming back from an international tournament with a huge win yeah I, I think the um, the reception that Tiger Roll got is just unbelievable and he God love him he, he paraded here there and everywhere um, but I mean people people came in their troves to see him and uh, it was great for people to be able to see him um, he's he's just he's a credit to himself and uh, it's fantastic that um, he was welcomed um, on mm. his return home mm. But we love a hero in Ireland, don't we? We love our heroes, our sporting heroes. And you obviously feel that and get that as well. Yeah, he he is a hero in himself and, and to be associated with him is is fantastic at home. So, um, I mean, the the reception on social media and the emails that came into Gordon's office and, and the cards and the cakes and everything and the amount of people that wanted to come to the yard to see him and take pictures and it's just phenomenal. So um, hopefully he might be able to come back next year and uh, do the same again. Can you tell us, will he, for definite? <laughs> I don't know now, but uh, fingers crossed. Look, he, he's gone home for his holidays now, which are very well deserved. Mm. So um, he's gone home fit and healthy. So uh, he'll be back next year and uh, hopefully um, he might go and do the same again. We'd love to see him again, Re- really would. Here's something I was thinking with you coming in to me today. Do you get asked for tips on a regular basis by people because they know who you are and where you work. Yeah, I do sometimes, but um, I have to say they don't ask twice. I'm not the best tipster, so <laughs> if they ask once and I got it wrong, they won't ask again. So. Does it annoy you when people, you know, come to you and say, "Well, come on, give us, give, give us a winner, give us something that'll, you know, work for us today." <laughs> 
Um, ah, not too much. So not really. Like it's it's always um it's always nice to try and give them something. But I, I guarantee you, it never normally wins when I mention it. There you are. So look, give her a break if you're listening today. Come on, let, let her do the business that she sets out to do. Right, winners. And anyway, we're going to take a short break. Lise O'Neill is with me. She's a brilliant jockey. She's Ireland's best lady, and she is an ambassador for Bellius Town Races. And we're going to talk more about Bellius Town in a few moments. But listen to this. I have two general admission passes to give away to one of you listening today on Late Lunch for the Bellystown Races. Nice prize. Here's the question. Tiger Roll, we were talking about him a moment ago there. Yes, he's won back-to-back Grand Nationals 2018-2019. But tell me this, who was the last horse to win back-to-backs at Aintree? Who was the last horse to win back-to-backs at Aintree? Tiger Roll has done it recently. Who was the last? And I want the name of the horse, please, to 086-1800-658. The name of the horse, your name and details, and you can WhatsApp that or text it to us ASAP. Back with Lisa in a moment. Top lady jockey Lisa O'Neill is with me on late lunch and she's an ambassador for Bellius Town Races. What's the significance of uh, the course, uh, that it's both flat and hurdle racing on the one? Is that is that sort of unique? Um, it is. It's it's during the summer months. There tends to be a lot of mixed cards, so um, it's brilliant with Belliestown. Uh, you know the July festival meeting goes from Wednesday the third to Saturday the sixth, and and you've a mixture of both flash and jumps. The first first day you just have all flash, and then we, then we have a mixture of flash and jumps throughout the uh, rest of the days. So, mm-hmm. um, it is unique in itself, but it's it's nice um for people to see both sides of the coin. Yes, and it's great mm-hmm. that you have it on the one course as well. Yeah, uh, we have to mention as well Ladies Day. You know the big following you don't have to tell you Lisa for Ladies Day it's the 5th Friday the 5th and there's a 2,000 euro first prize shopping spree for Scotch Hall and uh, we know Dawn Finnegan very well she's the Ladies Day ambassador she's fabulous Dawn and Cassie Stokes from TV3 will be there as well so get your glad rags on girls absolutely I mean the prizes are outstanding and there's also a prize for best dressed man on the day as well and a few other prizes so um, absolutely there's a lot up for grabs so um, make sure you put the effort in all we need, Lisa, is that, you know, that big orange thing in the sky to shine <laughs> and the clouds to just clear off. Yeah, I think the management and the staff at Bellystown have put in an order for um, a few sunny days. So hopefully um, we get we get the sun. We'll shining. start a petition. We'll start an <laughs> online petition. Sun and good weather for Bellystown because I've been up there. I know it well. And uh, we I think we may be going as well with late lunch again this year <laughs> live from Bellystown. Hopefully we will. Um, it's wonderful. You can bring a picnic with you. It's plenty for children to do. It's a real family place isn't it absolutely it's beautiful you, you you're up there on the hill and when the sun does shine it's just a fantastic place to be um and i mean there's great local support i mean in, in attendance as well as also true trainers that support the races um you've got lo- you have a lot of local winners there too between Ado mcginnis and john mcconnell and Ger Lyons and gordon elliott so um yeah it's, it's great for all the locals to be up there too mm. the game you're in is rough and tumble to say the least that really does sum it up it's it's intense it's physical it's over those hurdles it's on the flat or whatever do you ever consider that when you hop up there and away you go is it ever in your mind the danger and uh, no you you can't really consider the the dangers to be honest if you go out and think you're going to get a fall there's, there's no point in really doing it um there's always a risk but it's not something you you think about it's like any, I suppose, motor racing, people climb mountains, do different things. Mm. I go fishing on lakes, things. Look, if you thought about it, you wouldn't get out of the bed, I suppose, in the morning. That's that's really true. 
It's still a man's world, this game of yours. Is that a fair comment? I, I suppose it is. Um, there's been, um, I suppose, the stigma attached to lady riders isn't isn't what it used to be. Um, and like as I grew up with uh, Nina Carberry and Katie Walsh riding, and um, they broke through barriers, and and I mean they were so successful and um, opened the doors for plenty of other uh, lady riders. And I mean Rachel Blackmore to this day is doing phenomenal at the moment. So um, it really kind of, um, I suppose it, it it opens the eyes to young girls and thinks they're able to do it too, hopefully. So um, hopefully it inspires them. You have your routine, and I was reading about this on race day. You're a devil, you walk the track, you make sure you know, you understand the fences. That's all part of your preparation. You You always do that. That's a given. Yeah, I tend to do things like that. Yeah, I, I'd be... Um, I'd always go and have a walk around and kind of just make myself aware of where things are and and the ground and the the difference in the good ground and and the bad ground and trying to see where I might um, pan out my route throughout the race. But um, yeah, I I just have a bit of a routine and uh, I like to stick to it. When you're not racing, non-race days, and I take it you go riding out in in, in the yard on that, what's a typical day? Are you up early? What do you do? What does it comprise of? Um, I suppose we'd start at half seven in Gordon Elliott's and um, we'd ride out through the morning and then I tend to do a bit of office work in the office in Gordon's in the afternoon. So um, I I suppose horse racing really, it's it's not so much a job, it's more of a lifestyle really. Um, I'd go home then and if I wasn't racing, I'd watch the at at the races or the racing channel or something. So um, you know, if you pick up the paper, you pick up the racing posts. It's it's very much um, very much a lifestyle. It's all encompassing. So you're yeah. in for a dollar, in for a hundred dollars. It's 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 all encompassing in your life. Um, you mentioned conditions there. Good going. Obviously, you love good going, and and horses prefer that as well compared to when it gets sticky and soft. And yeah, some horses tend to thrive on softer ground, yeah. and some t- tend to thrive on um, better ground. But from your perspective, from somebody's on board, what do you love? Um, I suppose nice, n- nice ground with a bit of an ease in it. Um, yeah. Not too, not too quick, not too slow. So um, there's, uh, I suppose it. Di- everyone differs, but um, yeah, it's, it's always nice to have just an ease in it in, in case you do get a tumble. You're in a, you don't bounce straight mm. off the hard ground. Mm. Looking forward, like you've achieved a lot and you are top lady for the last two years as well here at home. What, what's your ambition? What, what would you like to do? What would be the pinnacle for Lisa O'Neill to win what and... I'd lo- I, I'd give anything to go back and ride another Cheltenham Festival winner. I think um, I think that day when it happened, everything happened so fast. Every when you look back, it's like a blur. Um, the good days go so fast, and the bad days last forever. But um, I'd I'd love to do that again. And look, I've been very lucky. I've had great support behind me. Um, and Gordon's been very good to me since I started working there. So um, without that, I, I wouldn't be where I am today. Is it true your mammy wrote all those notes to the school to get you off of the racing? Yeah, she actually she did, actually, yeah. What's your mammy's name? Yeah, um, Margaret. Say yeah. hello to Margaret today. <laughs> did she give you those wee notes to get you out and it was to get you racing? Yeah, I used to miss a lot of school to go racing. So um, I've my mother, well, my dad as well to blame for that. So I used to go racing with him a lot. Um, so um, we'll, we'll blame him for that. Mam used to have to write, write the notes to get me out. <laughs> I love it, I love it. But look where you are today. Look where you Absolutely. are today. <laughs> Top of your game, wasn't it? Well worth it, it really was. 
Let's go back to Bellius Town for a moment and just remind people that if you'd like to avail of uh, the festival marquee, and it's it's fantastic, and the, the enemies will be playing there. Mm-hmm. They're a brilliant band as well. Tickets are available from BelliusTownRaces.ie. That's BelliusTownRaces.ie. There are tickets available for the marquee with entertainment and food, etc. Or you can call 041-982-3614. That's 041-982-3614. I really hope you have winners for us <laughs> this time at Bellius and good luck to you thank you on very home much. tour but it'd be nice now to follow up and you being an ambassador to actually get by that winning post for us and please God it will happen this year you're off to Down Royal that's the next one is it um, I think on Friday I'll be heading to Down Royal so I'll have a ride up there so um, all going well that's the plan I'm not asking her for a tip by the way <laughs> you needn't be texting me in or whatsapping me I'm not you heard us earlier on Lisa it's been great uh, well done congratulations on being the ambassador for Bellius Town this year wish Everybody there well with the festival again from the 3rd to the 6th of July and good luck to you. May your dreams come true. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm holding on your rope, got me ten feet off the ground I'm hearing what you say, but I just can't make you sound You tell me that you need me, then you go and cut me down But wait, you tell me that you're sorry, didn't think I'd turn around You say Yes, our Sinead Brazel from the 11 to 1 show is taking on a big challenge this Friday, Midsummer's Day. She's one of 20 contestants taking part in I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here in aid of Drogheda Homeless Aid. Sinead will be on the stage in the Barbican this Friday in Drogheda to perform Bush Tucker Trials, same as the TV show, and the hopes of being crowned Queen of the Jungle. So we want our Sinead crowned queen this Friday all proceeds raised for the event are going to draw to homeless aid and you can get your tickets now by logging on to dha.ie or by calling 041-980-7416 and you can get, can get all the details as well 
uh, by checking the event out on lmfm.ie. The very best of luck to Sinead this Friday. She'll be eating uh, maggots. Do you know that, Louise? Do you know the maggots? Do you know the maggots you fish? We know the little white maggots. We buy them little by the pint. Ones. Little white, white maggots. Blue bottle larvae. She'll have to eat those on Friday. You ever accidentally tasted them? I have. What? Yeah. You probably ate them as a well, kid, I didn't you? Well, I haven't, I haven't. I'll tell you what happened. I think I told this story before, but I might as well tell it again just to give Sinead a bit of encouragement. When I was fishing the Boyne years ago for sea trout, I got a pint of maggots one night and you keep them in the fridge. Okay. To keep them, because when they're in cool conditions in the fridge, they go into a sort of a semi state of chrysalis. They just stop moving because they're all wriggly and moving all the time. But when you put them in the fridge, they calm down and they last longer. So Put them beside chicken or, or meat? Or? On the bottom, in the bottom of my mother's fridge when okay. I lived at home on the North Road. Anyway, it was Saturday and I was going out on the early tide in the boy to fish for sea trout on the Sunday morning. This is up in the dark and going out for daybreak on Sunday. When I got down to the kitchen, <laughs> the maggots met me crawling across the floor of the oh, kitchen. I'd kill you. They were everywhere. But hold on. this No, no, yeah, you would kill me. But when you hear what happened, she had a leg of lamb for the Sunday <gasps> dinner. And the maggots I'd hit you with it. were helping themselves to the leg of lamb. So I had to, it took me ages. I nearly missed the tide. I had to clean up the kitchen, get all the maggots, got the leg of lamb out, washed it under you the sink, didn't. put it back into the into the fridge and went fishing. I think I got a nice bag of trout that day. Anyway, came home and I love my Sunday dinner. <laughs> my mother, Lord of mercy, tell you that. I love my Sunday <laughs> dinner. But I gave it a miss that Sunday. <laughs> Oh my God. But the rest of them had the lamb and it was lovely. It was lovely. It wasn't bothering anybody. I'm never going for dinner with you. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I'm not even eating lunch besides anymore. <laughs> then another time when I worked in Aircom, I forget who it was. <laughs> I brought maggots into work and there was somebody I didn't like in particular. So I sent them to her in the internal post. <laughs> A handful of maggots in an envelope. I'm moving I off. I sealed the envelope and she opened it. I think I could, I could still hear the scream. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck, Sinead, with your Bush Tucker trials. Sinead, uh, come down to Jerry and, you know, we can uh, have a practice run. Uh, if you didn't have a laugh in your life, what would you have? Tiger rolled one back-to-back Grand Nationals. <laughs> <laughs> Take two. Tiger Roll won back-to-back Grand Nationals in 2018 and 2019, but who was the last horse to win back-to-backs at Aintree? The answer, Miss Louise Walsh, is... Red Rum. Red Rum is right. And the winner of the two general admission passes for the races... Paul it, Callan, Ashfield Grove. Well done to you, Paul. Congratulations. You're going to the races. Yes, Bellius Town coming up on the 3rd to the 6th of July. We were talking about it a little a while ago with the wonderful Lisa O'Neill. Is that everything? Have we done the homework? Yeah, we have all the housekeeping done at the minute. Another it's time, another time, another time. Maggots, back to maggots. I have another yeah. story. I want to hear what your mother said when she found out oh, she had poor ma'am, Me poor ma'am. She, oh God, she had a lot to put up with. We lived in a terraced house in the North Road and my father trained greyhounds and we always had dogs. I had to come in and out through the house. There was no back way. The woman was a saint. Honest to God, she is a saint. But uh, another time she had visitors, I know. She used to have a little tea party on it. <laughs> A Tuesday evening, and I went out. Mary's pig farm. Pigs died. You know, pigs took heart attacks. Um, pigs are very prone to heart attacks and piggeries. And you were around that say so. <laughs> they used to Louise throw them into a pit, and you see the blue bottles would get at them, and there'd be loads of maggots because you had to buy your maggots, and we hadn't much money at the time. We had no money, but if you went out to the pit, you'd get down and you'd scrape the maggots off the dead pigs. Uh. 
I went out, I think it was with John Bagnell, but didn't I fall into the pit? <laughs> the dead pigs. <laughs> I got the maggots all right, but I was covered in dead pig and I had to come back to the house. And my mother was having a tea <laughs> for three or four of her friends and I charged in the front door and out through the house. Can you, can you get the smell? I can still get the smell. Well, she came out after me with the tea towel. <laughs> she was spraying stuff in the house the women were going to leave oh what a disaster my maggot stories I can tell you something <laughs> there's more there's more but we've got to keep them for another day the show will be Next. over I don't stop and we've another guest to talk to we're going to a final <laughs> if she can press the buttons we're going to a final break on late lunch today because afterwards it's getting serious come on gather yourself there woman Father Sean McDonough is joining me to talk about the latest government report on the environment call me an old cynic if you like but has the rise of the green vote anything to do with it what am I talking about the government's new climate action plan with all its bells and whistles brought to us yesterday in a big launch in Dublin They're hoping to uh, reach targets that have been set by 2030 but if the government's record is anything to go by I am really sceptical about it. What's the view from the environmentalists? And Michael, this morning you heard the uh, political reaction, but Father Sean McDonough, you know him well. He's an environmental campaigner all his life and president of Antashka, and he's with me on the line. Uh, Father Sean, good afternoon. Thanks very much for having me on, and yes, I'm delighted to talk about this. Yeah, well, at one one level you have to say it's aspiration, which we never had at this level before. Every time for the last 30 years since I've been involved in this, our greenhouse gases are rising each year, not going down. So they have decided, they have set targets. For, for example, we have a million electric cars by 2030. Now, I again want to see, I, I'm, I, I, I believe in that, but how are they going to achieve that? Mm. In my home in Nina here, where I'm today, uh, I think there are two places in town where you you can charge uh, an electric car. So that's my problem with everything about it. For example, they talk about, for example, uh, uh, our houses, retrofitting houses. There are 500,000 houses. Now, here in, in Tipperary, we have a very good uh, Tipperary Energy Group. They do about 100 houses a, a year. That has to come up to 10,000 a year. Mm. Now, but do, do we have the people uh, who can do that? As yet, we don't. So we're going to have to train people to be able to do those sort of things. So we, I'll be looking at, uh, at not the aspiration, but what are they putting in place? And now, for example, if you want to do your house up to B-level standards, you're probably going to cost you, particularly with heat pumps, maybe 50000 Now, are they going to give a grant for half of that? Are they going to set aside... Uh, for example, loans that you can repay over 10 or 15 years. Now, on, on the good side of that, of course, you would no longer be paying for gasoline or for kerosene, so you'd be saving there. So some of the savings you're making on your house, as it's brought up to that level, uh, you c- could be used to write down your debt. But I want to see all of those in writing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, and the other thing, Sean, I wanted to say, they're saying that the reason why plans failed in the past, and we're not going to make these 2020 targets for sure, you've mentioned it already, is that the Cabinet signed up as a group to this, but then individual ministers and departments fought you know, to uh, minimise the amount that they would have to contribute to the overall, but they're saying this is different this time. Do you believe well, them? Well, I've been at... at 
international climate change almost every year since 1992. Every time I went there, people from Ireland were always looking for ways out. Mm. And, and that's what we've done. Yeah. Now, is this a big change on that? It, it is hugely aspirational, but I want to see, for example, the Tipperary Energy. That will have to be... Uh, Maybe a hundred times of those group of people around the country will need to be tra- trained up in the next five to five years so that we can do this. But, Sean, here you are. The politicians, you know, they understand that there's votes involved here, that if they uh, impose charges of the magnitude you're talking about, that's just in the retrofitting of houses. Think about changing your car, uh, the price of uh, the carbon tax that's going to go up on fuel as well. Will politicians actually implement this, even though it well, may no, be well, unpopular? No, you're dead right, because last year they didn't actually increase the, car- the carbon tax in last year's budget. Mm. When, for the first time, we, we were balancing our budget. That was a perfect time to do it, but we didn't do it. We'll see, we'll even, will they do it this year? Because you're dead right. They're talking about nudging. That, that was the, 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 the word that, that the Taoiseach used. This is a lot more than nudging. This is actually trying to have people take very different options in the future. And, for example, there's one area that was hardly covered at all, flying. Mm. You know, and that, that there's an area that's growing con- constantly for the last 20 years. Yes. At the moment, it's about 15% of greenhouse gas emissions. But if it's growing at 2% a year, you know, within 30 years, that, that has doubled. So, and, uh, so that's the very point you're making. They, they, they want to move away from this. But, oh, by the way, we need a new runway in, uh, in Dublin Airport, you know. Mm. So this is the week after the decide. Sorry, but I thought we were, we were going to decarbonize our economy. Well, no, we we, we need to keep flying. Yeah, so well, you're, you're dubious, I hear what you're saying about this as well. And of course, when you put the carbon tax up in the short term from 20 per tonne as it is now to 80 per tonne yeah. by 2030, that's going to mean uh, more costlier fuel for cars and everything for people who are, you know, in transition and have to get on with life in the interim. But here, Sean, I want to ask you this. Um the situation you've told me here before, this is no cod or no liar, it's not scaremongering. We have to act, just not alone in Ireland, but in the world, yes. Well, absolutely. Basically, at the present, we are moving towards three or four degrees Celsius rise over pre-industrial levels. The last time this happened, actually, in the history of our planet, was two and a half million years ago. So we've never had to deal with this before. The impact on the ocean is extraordinary. And we're beginning to see that more and more. So all of that is true. But we, every time our numbers go up, and then you see, for example, the area of agriculture, and I'm not anti-farmer, but the reality is our greenhouse gases, we're about 38% of our greenhouse gases comes from agriculture, and mainly because to, to, to brief and dairy. Now, they say, well, we'll do it more efficiently. I know, what does that mean? Does that mean there'll be less greenhouse gas emissions into the atmosphere? How are we going to do that? How are we bringing it down? Because every year it's rising. So there's no point in talking about aspirate. We'd like to do that. Tell me how you're going to do it. Tell me how you're going to do it by 2% a year or 5% a year. And then if you don't do it, something is wrong and somebody must be held accountable. And who holds us accountable, Sean? To which? You know, if our government, if we don't implement these changes... We have, part of our EU membership, is we, we have signed up 
that this level of, of carbon emission by 2020, we're going to miss it by 10 million tonnes. We're, I mean, we're also heading now to miss uh, 2030. And so, by the way, we have to, we have to, to buy credits elsewhere. And mm. That's not down in, 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 in today's paper. I say, how, how, how many hundred, I think it's about 150 million this year we have used to buy carbon, carbon credits. When it goes above, for example, 2020, we could be using five, 500 million a year to buy carbon credits if we don't get our, our greenhouse levels out. And these, so, these credits mean nothing, really, do they? You're just paying for polluting. That's right. Well, those people who, who, who count are our EPA, but once we go over them, then we, pay, we, have, to, we have to buy carbon credits. Mm. We have to buy it from countries, poor countries. Yeah. Uh, 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 around the world. Now, we're not going to be able to do it, but wouldn't it be much better to use the 100 million on retrofitting our houses than actually giving it away free to, to uh, where, where people are willing to sell their carbon credits to us? So we have to be much more serious about this. Like I'd like to have seen a lot more of that here. This is what we've been doing for the last four or five years. Yeah. And be upfront with it completely. So, Sean, look, in summary, you welcome it. You would love to see it implemented as it's written, but you're dubious, sceptical. Watch this space. Well, well, I also realise it will be quite costly. Yeah. In terms of change of my lifestyle. Now, for example, one of the good things to talk about public transport. So where I live on the Navin Road, we're blessed. Three buses go past our gate every hour. Mm. So anyone going into Dublin must go by bus because it's, it's fabulous, you know. Yeah. But if you, have, if you have only one bus a day, mm. you know, how, how are people in, in, in the countryside going to get around? And, and we have to begin to look at all those issues into the future. Absolutely, absolutely. Sean, have to leave it there for today. Nice to talk to you. Keep up the oh, great God work. Thank you very much. God bless you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Father Sean McDonough there, Columban priest from Navin in County Mead, on his travels today around the country, reacting to that uh, government proposal uh, for climate action, their climate action plan that was launched yesterday. Final comment. Uh, we remember you and your maggots well, Jerry. It comes in from an ex-Aircom employee there. No name. We'll have to suss that out by tomorrow. There you have it. Maggots and all, we're away for a cup of tea and Eddie's up next with the drive and we'll be back please God to do midweek late lunch from 1.30 Wednesday see you then the late lunch with Blackstone Motors get low as can be APR zero deposit required and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults what are you waiting for there's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors Dundalk Drogheda or Cavan Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.